Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. My name is Chad Russell. That is Kurt Souter of Further Stone Ministries. How are you doing today, Kurt? Doing really good, man. You know what today is? Act like we didn't talk about this before the show. I have no idea what today is. <laughs> today <laughs> is our 100th show. 100th episode. Well, we had a couple of reruns thrown in there, you know, where we replayed a, yeah. some previous ones, but today technically is our 100th time on air. Um, and you can tell it's a show for men, by men, talking about things from a man's perspective because there's no cake, no no balloons, nothing to celebrate. It's like nothing. We just said, oh, okay. And we just kind of hit That's each other. Kinda cool. That's, That's kind of cool. cool. Yeah, and that was it. So uh, today is our 100th uh, time on air, 100th show and uh, 100th shoe. And so thank you for listening. For those of you who have who have been listening, if this is your very first time listening, we appreciate you stumbling upon us. And, uh, you know, we're just a couple guys talking about other guys talking about life and from a guy's perspective and uh, if you want to hear any of those hundred shows you can go to facebook you can go to soundcloud and just type in solid steps radio and then up will come our picture and you click on that and you can hear all of our shows in their entirety commercial free so that's a nice little uh nice little run we've had and we may not have any more after well hopefully we'll have today's show but uh we're gonna (laughs) <laughs> we don't know how many more we got in the can. I guess. Jesus could come back we any moment. Know, any moment, right? So we're going to enjoy today's show, which today's show is a, a topic that's probably near and dear to many people's hearts. And when we had this show on the schedule, it reminded me of a story of one of my favorite people is Theodore Roosevelt. I'm just really in the past year. I've been very you, you are really into him. I've been very intrigued by him. He's got an incredible story. But anyway, his dad was very philanthropic and rich right but he was not just rich he was very much a giving person in the community and he was really big on orphanages he literally would take kids off the street and put them in orphanages and make sure they got taken care of and when roosevelt became governor of new york he went to a governor's conference and a man came up to him st- stuck out his hand and shook his hand he says i'm not shaking the hand of the governor of new york i'm shaking the f- hand of the man whose father rescued me from the streets of new york who became the governor of Alaska and it just goes to show you that the effort you put into someone's life can change the trajectory of their life forever this kid was on the streets and then he became the the governor of a state because someone cared enough about him to do that now we're not talking about orphanages today but we're talking about investing in the life of youth and how impactful that can be in their life for their for their rest of their life that's cool. So, uh, Greg McMullen, welcome to the show, man. Good morning. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. You know, you, you've you been working with young people for now, uh, <clears throat> what, two millennia? Yes. <laughs> Slightly over 20 years. That's right. Wow. 20, 20 plus years you've been working with kids. How in the world did you get to the point of, uh, you know, wanting to work with young people? Well, I think it really starts with the way I came to the Lord myself. Uh, I actually came to the Lord at a Billy Graham crusade. Uh, and just really heard the word being spoken to me. It was actually um, Rick Stanley was speaking, and he talked about how he once served the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, uh, and now he served the king of kings. Mm. And his question was, who do you serve? You know, who have you surrendered your life to? Who are you devoted to? And I realized at that point in time, I served myself. My focus was on me, me, me all the time, and I realized that there needed to be a change. Because that's, that's kind of a dead-end road eventually. Oh, my goodness, yeah. You, you can never be satisfied if that's what you're trying to do. You're always looking for the next one-up and the next opportunity to do something bigger, better. And so you just exhaust yourself. And I, So I came to the point of surrender as a senior in high school uh, and gave my life to Christ. 
And I really felt from that point forward, God just urging me and pressing in me to do the same for others and just really devoted myself over the years to focusing on reaching other youth for Christ. And I've been doing that for the most part ever since. You know, okay, so you're, you're 18, 19, how old were you? I was 17 years old. 17 years mm-hmm. old. And you, you, you gave your life to the Lord, and almost immediately you, you just realized your whole trajectory. Oh, I'd love to say it was that clean. But <laughs> no, no, no. There, there, there were many obstacles, many challenges. I actually went into corporate America for a while and, and, and went through the trying to climb the corporate ladder and walking through that. And, and yes, I was a believer in Christ, but I was still trying to fight my own battles and lead my own lives. And God just continued to mold and grow me over a few-year period. Uh, and then around about the age of 27 is when I really saw a surrender of myself and saying, oh, this this is what I want to do. And I ended up giving my life to Christ. I'm uh, not giving my life to Christ, but surrendering my mission to what he called me to do instead of what I was wanting to do and, and walking through that. That's really cool. And so, so okay, um, what kind of, um, how, how did you get his, or how did he get your attention in that kind of that, you know, eight, 10 year span what, what were some things that really um, God used? Uh, you, you want some of the ugly stuff, don't you? Yeah, you're, you're trying to really dig in and get that. It makes for really good radio. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, I, I was, as I said, I was trying to climb the corporate ladder, and I'd made it to the point where I was national sales and marketing manager for Shaw Industries, uh, living in Dalton, Georgia. It was the largest carpet manufacturer in the world, and I oversaw their custom rug division. And I was traveling two to three times, uh, two to three weeks a month, and I was out of town quite a bit. And and was really, really engulfed in what was going on. And my wife basically said, who do you want to be married to? Me or your job? And so I had to get on my... Mm, you gotta, you, that's, that took some... Oh, it was powerful. And I, and I will say, I have a godly woman that has led me many, many times through a spiritual journey, and it's just been wonderful. Uh, but I had to sit there, get on my knees, pray. Of all places, I was in Las Vegas as I was going through a lot of this. And I just said, God, what is it that you want me to do? And he just said, follow me, mm. follow me. So I came home from Las Vegas and. Now did your wife, did, did she ask that? Was that over the phone while you were out there? Well, that was before I went on the trip. She, uh, uh, and so we sat down to tears. Uh, yeah, she was crying some too. Uh, and so we, we were going through this and, and I was just like, yeah, what am I doing? What am I really accomplishing other than making myself feel good? Of being able to say my career has advanced and everything I was walking through. And I was by, uh, Pull it all together. I was volunteering as a youth leader at our church during this time, and I was—I think that first, that year that we were dealing with, I missed—I missed around 12, 12 or thirteen Sundays because I was traveling, and I just really was an absent youth leader, if you want to say that. Uh, so she, so she started convicting me. I started praying about it, and God, God simply said, "Follow me." Uh, and then it was around the Christmas season, and I had taken the youth on a trip to uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And Josh McDowell was speaking, and I quite honestly could not tell you a word he said because I just heard the Lord speaking, and he said, are you ready? Are you ready to follow me? Uh, And I just said, yes, Lord. What do you want me to do? And he said, quit your job. Wow. So uh, at this this point in time, you're how old? 20? That's 28 maybe, 27, 28 years old. Okay. And He He says, quit your job. He says, quit your job. Uh, So I go home, and I tell my wife, I said, I said, baby, I've been listening to you. I've been listening to the Lord. And uh, he, I feel like he's calling me into full-time ministry. 
Uh, and she goes, what does that mean? She, I said, oh, I feel like I need to quit my job. <laughs> and she looks at me, and I'm, I'm scared to death at this point in time. You know, we're making more money than we've ever made in our life, yet we're in more debt than we've ever been in our life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm thinking, what are we going to do here? She goes, well, it's about time. Really? Yeah. She said, it's about time. What she, are we? She's, she saw it all along. Oh, she's been praying for five years with her women's prayer group. Uh, and I've been resisting. Lord, help my husband to get with the program. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, so um, I went in uh, the first, right after Christmas break, January 3rd, and just told my boss, I said, I'm, I'm resigning. I'm stopping. Uh, and my boss was excited. She didn't like me. She was Jewish and did not like my Christian faith. Uh, so she said, fantastic. Give me your keys and let's go. But then her boss, uh, who was a believer and a friend of mine, called and said, what's going on? I told him, and he said, come to work for me until you're ready to leave and go out of town. So we went on about a nine-month journey of working through things. As I mentioned a second ago, when I mentioned this to Anna in December, we were in more debt than we'd ever been in our life. We left August 1st of 2000 to move to Louisville, Kentucky, debt-free. God took care of everything. Uh, and just prepared us and showed us how real he was, how faithful he was, and what he meant when he said, follow me. He was willing to take care of all the details so that we could just go and be faithful to what he had called us to. That's incredible. Okay, so um, this is just a tiny little bunny trail, but just a a snippet. Can you share, how in the world did God get you out of all that debt? Well, I was able to continue my job. Uh, We sold our house, so we made money on the sale of the house. We actually sold our cars. Uh, and we bought, you know, I was keeping up with corporate America, so I had expensive cars I couldn't really afford. We sold our cars, went to a minivan, praise God for minivans. Uh, so we were able to transition all of that, go through sales, had other people help us out financially. Uh, and ultimately, I only went one week for that entire nine-month transition where I did not have income coming in to help us take care of our finances and everything on those lines. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. The Lord, when he calls you... He'll provide. He know? affirms it. Oh, he absolutely affirms it. So okay, so so uh, now you y- you moved to Louisville, Kentucky. Correct. And you're you're getting some training, mm-hmm. and you're getting prepared. Talk talk to us about that just real quick. Well, absolutely. I mean, I'd been volunteering and involved in youth ministry for even years leading up to that, uh, but then I come here to get more formalized. So I go to Boyce College and Southern Seminary and get a degree in youth ministry, uh, and continue that training in scholastically as well as in the local church. Uh, So I served on church staff uh, and multiple uh, facets of ministry there and have just really been growing throughout the year, learning how to handle, quite honestly, the difficult life situations of the teenagers and what they're dealing with today. Which is, and we're going to really talk about that in the next segments because that is a huge issue in our culture today. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with Greg, and we're going to talk about uh, one of the largest ministries, outreach ministries that he's involved in and how that uh, reaches out to the youth and how we, uh, as members of of the body of Christ or even just someone who has children, needs to be uh, intentional about reaching out to children and youth. So we're going to take a break. Be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our second segment of Solid Steps Radio. I'm Chad Russell. That's Kurt Satter. We're with Greg McMullen, who is a local of the Louisville chapter of Youth for Christ. And uh, Greg shared in our first segment that he was working the way up the corporate ladder for a carpet 
uh, company out of Georgia. But if you need carpet in Louisville, <laughs> you need to go to Carol Rogers Carpet One. They've got the best flooring in town. They and do. They will take care of you. They really do. In fact, the owner of Carol Rogers Carpet One, the local, he was uh, on our show last week on our 99th show. Ken Martin was. So uh, look up Ken and his crew. They do great work in flooring. LNN Credit Union, a local lender who really invests not only in people but the community. And Bright Star Home Care, if you have loved ones who you love, uh, which typically if you have loved ones, you typically love them. But uh, if somebody you even like, if it's just somebody you like and you want them to live independently in their own home, Bright Star helps people do that. So uh, all those folks are great sponsors and they're partners with our show. We appreciate them very much. Greg, I love how God works in people's lives. I mean, it just, he takes, um, really what he takes is ordinary people and we get to be a part of an extraordinary God. That's right. You know, and, and so you're in this corporate world working up the ladder and God says, all right, enough is enough. It's, it's time to shift and change. And I, I love that your wife just spoke, you know, just powerfully, you know, just ask you and questions and speaks truth into your life but here now you are working with youth for christ correct tell us a little bit about youth for christ some people don't know anything about youth for christ yeah youth for christ it's it's been around since 1944 it actually started in chicago area where six men came together with with the reality that if we were going to reach today's youth in 1944 they were making this statement if we're going to reach today's youth we have to change the way we're doing it uh, we can't just continue to do what we've always done, expecting different results. So they went to make a different change. They decided to go together as a group. They hired their first time, or their first full time employee. It was a young name, a young guy by the name of Billy Graham, uh, which is just amazing for me to see how my story circled around. And when I came to Christ at a Billy Graham Crusade, I never knew I would be working for the organization that Billy Graham helped launch in 1944. So it was a beautiful thing. That's cool. Uh, we're currently in 165 chapters around the United States serving over 300 cities. Uh, and not only that, YFC has now went international and we're in 113 countries around the world. Uh, we really have a two-fold focus and really I call it a three-fold focus, but we're on the school campuses, we're on the campus, and we're in the communities, developing community centers to reach students after school hours as well. So we do that. And then locally, I say we're doing that with the church. Uh, we simply choose not to do any ministry unless the local church is taking a leadership role and is engaged in that. Because Youth for Christ, by our nature, we work with youth. We work with teenagers. Yet our mission statement says we want to develop lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. Well, typically, when you're working with 11 to 19-year-olds, they may not be fully mature in their spiritual growth by the age of 19. Okay. Probably I, not. I, probably, I don't know any of them that are fully <laughs> mature in their spiritual growth by the age of 19. So if we're going to fulfill our mission statement, we have one option, and that is we have to work with the local churches so that can be extended and continued beyond the 11 to 19-year-old range that we work with. So your, your real heartbeat is how do we, how do we really um, engage and impact and influence these 11 through 19-year-olds that's and great. then funnel them or, or partner with the local mm-hmm. church so that they are they're a part of the body of Christ in the local church. Oh, absolutely. For, for ongoing growth. Yeah. So, so our heartbeat, my, my personal heartbeat is I, I call myself a trainer, a trainer, and a leader of leaders. And so my heart, personal heartbeat 
is to begin with the end in mind. And by saying that, what I'm really looking at is I want to mobilize the local churches to be on the front line and frontline missionaries that are on the school campuses themselves instead of saying, hey, we're going to go do that part without you. And then once we catch the kids, then we're going to send them to you. No, I want to do it with you. So you're a part of the catching of the kids. You're the fishers of men that are working with teenagers right from the beginning. And that way we don't have to throw the, the bait and hook at the students. We're, we're catching them in the relational ministry model with the local church right from the beginning. So our local church leaders are able to say, come to church with me. Instead of Youth for Christ saying, hey, you now believe in Jesus, let's go find you a local church. You know, that, that, that's, a transitional, mm-hmm. that's a transitional disaster a lot of times. So we want the local church to be in the ministry from the very beginning. So we're trying, when we go to a school, when we go to a community center, we start by working with relationships with the local churches in that area. So we immediately have relationship opportunities for the students to be engaged in people, in in the lives of people that can say, hey, I'm walking to church. You want to walk with me? Or, hey, can I pick you up on the way to church? And so they're not only being engaged on their school and in their camp, in their communities, they're having opportunities from the beginning to get partnered with their local churches. That's, um, which is absolutely critical. Yes. That's, the New Testament is all about that. But you, you, you mentioned a word, you said relational ministry. Correct, yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Well, we believe, or I, I believe specifically, but this is the Youth for Christ model that everything is done within a relational context. Uh, Billy Graham himself has even acknowledged uh, that today, more than ever, if you're going to reach the millennials, if you're going to reach this age and this generation, it's going to be done in a one-on-one or a one-on-three small group context of relational ministry model. The days of, of people coming to Billy Graham and hearing... Tens of thousands of people. That's correct. And hearing the big rally, everyone raising their hands and them being believers that are truly and genuinely following Christ, that is shifting and that is changing. That's not going to be there anymore for us. What's going to happen is we're going to have to have one generation my generation, the baby boomers, Gen X, whatever you want to say, reaching millennials in coffee shops, reaching millennials by going to their sporting events, reaching millennials by building relationships with them, one-on-one small group relationships to where you're investing in their lives. Millennials want to be heard. They're not interested in monologue. They want a dialogue. Mm. And they want to be able to ask their questions. They want to be able to talk, be heard, and be respected. Respect is tremendously important. So they want you to not only tell them what you believe, but listen to them so they can discover and explore what they believe and what they want to share is just as important as what you want to share. So uh, when you're talking about the millennials and you mentioned uh, in, in the break, it's, there's, there's the, the generation right after the millennials. Uh-huh, Gen Z. Gen Z. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. The digital generation, yeah, the, <laughs> the ones that are, are much more intimately related to their iPhones and their cell phones than they are to other individuals. And they, they really have a hard time even looking up and looking at someone in the eye. So we really focus on personal interaction with that group. Uh, we actually, if I have a guest come into one of our community centers, I will walk the guest from student to student and have them introduce themselves with eye contact and reaching their hands out because <laughs> they're really not comfortable expressing themselves in that way so often because they have grown up with devices in their hands. Wow. So, so we're trying to build into them a relational context where they can express, and we do it holistically. Uh, Youth for Christ believes that, yes, we want to share the gospel. And in one of our theme verses, 1 Thessalonians 2.8, uh, Paul talking, he says, For we loved you so much 
that we shared with you not only the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ, but we shared our lives as well. So we, we look at that and we see there's three things. One, you, you have to love them. If you don't love them and you see them as a project, they'll pick it up right away. Mm. So there has to be love as the foundation of everything you're doing. Secondly, Paul assumes we're sharing the gospel. It's not a, oh, by the way, you know. No, he assumes. We love you so much that we shared with you not only the gospel. The gospel is assumed to be the foundation of everything we do. Mm -hmm. But then we have to love them enough that we're willing to share our lives with them as well. Even if they don't receive the gospel, even if they reject the gospel, we still need to be willing to share our lives and holistically helping them educationally, financially, you know, with whatever else is going on in their lives to earn the right to live out the gospel in a loving, sharing way so that they can explore it over time. Very few of our teenagers today are coming to Christ with a one single gospel presentation. They need to hear it over and over and over again. They need consistency. They need to hear it over and over again. They need to hear it by multiple people. Mm. Uh, traditionally, youth ministry, I was trained years ago, it needs to be a seven to one or maybe even a 10 to one ratio, one adult for every seven or 10 kids. Today, I say it's a three to one. Three adults sharing the same story to every kid. That's awesome. It's got to be said in consistency with other people because they're getting so many messages. Society is telling them so many different stories and so many different things that are contradictory to the gospel. They need to hear a consistent message from trustworthy adults that genuinely love them and are willing to invest in them. So that's what we try to do is get them in front of as many different adults that are willing to share a true and genuine story with them. To talk uh, about you know putting uh, put some flesh on uh, on that on the bones of uh, loving them and investing in them. Yeah, I'll tell you a story, uh, one that has impacted me. Uh, the young boy, we'll call him Larry. Uh, Sixteen years old when I first met him, uh, he was in the West End, very urban kid. He was he was six three. Uh, probably 260 pounds, big boy, but he was a kid. And so he would come in rough, tumble and everything like that. And we just could not break our way through to him. We just having those conversations, having those relationships. He kept falling back, falling back, falling back. One day he comes in, he's all shaking, he's nervous and everything. And he just had a gun pulled on him. He's experimenting with gangs. He's going through the, the difficult times and everything. And he had a gun pulled on him and he said, I'm going to kill this guy. So I sit down, I pull him in and I said, what are you going to do if you do kill him? I said, you're going to spend the rest of your life in jail. And he says, I don't care. He said, I'm going to be dead by this time next year anyway. It just really doesn't matter. And I looked at him and I said, Larry, I see so much hope. I see so much potential in your life that if you would just get to the point of trusting God and allowing him to work in your life, he could use you in amazing ways. And this big 6'2", 260-pound kid just started sobbing and he broke down. And he looked at me and he said, hope potential he said I've never had anybody say that to me mm. he said all my life and he, he said all my life I've been told you're not going to make it to be a 20 because he just knew the gangs the street and everything were going to take him down but today he's 21 years old mm. today he attends one of our church partners churches on a regular basis I can't I, he's a believer now I can't say he's genuinely following Christ but he's hearing the gospel on a consistent basis from multiple people. He's going to college because he graduated high school. Mm. Never expected to graduate high school. And he's also got a job and he's working. 
So we've seen great, great opportunities. That's awesome. That's a great story. We're going to come back here with more of those stories and also how do we need to live a lifestyle of the youth around us? How can we invest in these in our youth and uh, whether in our home or next door neighbor? So we're going to take a break. We'll be back on Solid Steps Radio. <laughs> 